From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to a special summer edition of Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. As the coaching carousel spun around late last season, wild rumors filled the air with big names that could be on the move. But the guy almost everyone expected to land in a new spot was Billy Napier. With roots from both the Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney coaching trees and a proven system that built the University of Louisiana into a group of five powerhouse, Napier had been courted by multiple major programs in the last few years. But he wasn't going to leave until the perfect situation presented itself, which it finally did when Scott Strickland called him in late November. We recently sat down with Coach Napier to give him a proper introduction to Gator Nation, covering his upbringing in Georgia, how football ruled the roost in his family, how his dad gave him the coaching bug, what he learned from his time at Clemson and Alabama, the role of NIL in the future of college football, his big picture plan to turn around the Gators, and much more. So here he is, Florida's new football coach, Billy Napier. I grew up in a small town uh, called Chatsworth, Georgia. Um, And, you know, we moved there when I was two years old. You know, my mom and dad were, they graduated from uh, Tennessee Tech, which is in Cookville, Tennessee. My dad played college football there. Uh, Mom's from Huntsville, Alabama. Dad's from Salina, Tennessee. They met in college couple years into his career he made the move to Chatsworth Georgia and started his coaching career at Murray County High School Uh, it's northwest Georgia the county actually borders Tennessee right up at I-75 from Atlanta really um, awesome community you know blue collar you know carpet mill workers um, farmers Uh, back then we had a really good middle class economy you know, really made me who I am for sure. I mean, I think a lot of those values, a lot, a little bit of a chip on our shoulder to some degree. So uh, learn how to work hard and uh, treat people the right way. And certainly I think growing up uh, with dad being a coach and mom, you know, working in the local community there and working at the elementary school, you know, all those things influence you. Obviously, football was in the picture because of your dad and, and coaching, but when did you develop a passion for it? When did you realize, oh, this is something that I, that I really want to pursue? Yeah, I mean, as long as I can remember, you know, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I can remember being in the weight room, locker room, equipment room, you know, in the back of the pickup truck, going around town, picking up kids for summer workouts, you know, <laughs> I mean. Um, you know, I mean, I grew up in the hip pocket of my dad and, and pretty quickly there, not only did I realize that I wanted to coach, but I realized that I wasn't a very good player. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, no, I think I played quarterback for dad's teams. You know, I was a small college football player. I played FCS level football. But, you know, there was no doubt uh, that I had passion for the game of football observe my dad impact young people generation after generation and then you know really love the you get to do it all right you get a chance to impact people but there's a strategy component there's a competition component 
really started early on with aspirations to do just what my dad did. I wanted to be a high school coach. When you set out to be a coach, I guess on, on day one, you don't really know exactly what you're going to do or what it's going to look like. How are you going to, what's your philosophy going to be? So as you got into the field, how did you sort of develop your ideas about what what a program would look like for you or what values were important to you as a coach? Yeah, that's a great question. And and I think that uh, that's a long story, you know, but <laughs> I do, I do think, um, no, ultimately, you know, as you go, I was really strategic about everything. You know, I mean, I think early on after graduating from college, I wanted to get my master's degree so that I could make six or seven thousand dollars more per year. You know, uh, my dad gave me advice to do that. Um, so I went to, you know, worked hard to try to get a graduate assistantship and, and you know, I mean, I remember sending out 200 plus form letters, Wow, you know, uh, going to bowl practices with my dad to different places in the area. Uh, and to be honest, we didn't have a lot of success. I mean, I was in position to, to accept a job at Lexington High School in Columbia, South Carolina. I was three days away from moving. I mean, my stuff was packed up. I was heading down there to be an O.C., and then I got a call from Rick Stockstill at Clemson about the graduate assistantship that come open and, it, and had an opportunity to interview for that opportunity. They gave me the job and then I changed course and ended up there with Tommy Bowden and his staff. Um, and then I was back in the mode of, OK, let's get the masters right. And I wanted to be on offense for a year, defense for a year. And wanted to go down into the weight room for a year and be with strength conditioning. You know, had a big passion for strength and conditioning as a player. And then obviously as a wanting to be a high school coach, understanding the importance of that part of your team and culture. So, you know, while I was a GA, uh, that's where the recruiting component came into effect, right? So uh, observing recruiting you know, really intrigued with the concept of evaluation, uh, working hard to acquire players. And, hey, you get to put your own team together, right? You get to hand select the players that work hard to develop relationships and a little bit of sales and marketing in there, you know, a little hustle there. And just love that part. You know, I observed my dad for a lot, lot of years. Dad coached what he had in the community, you know, and uh, wasn't necessarily some years, maybe he wins seven, eight games, but he did a phenomenal job coaching. Uh, and to see him work that hard and sometimes just not be a contender. You know, I struggled with that a little bit. And I'm sitting here observing this college thing and I'm like, hey, in college, you might could position yourself to where you're a contender every year. Um by working hard in the evaluation and recruiting part of the plan. So after two and a half years as a GA, I got an opportunity to go to South Carolina State uh, with Buddy Pugh and uh, gave me an opportunity to call the plays and coach the quarterbacks. And here we go, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I had a couple buddies that accepted jobs on the staff and decided to do that mid-summer, got there in July, he spent the 2005 year there with Buddy and his staff. We had a, a great year, and 
uh, quarterback, Cleve McCoy, man, Hollywood, South Carolina, played well. A great young man who was a, really a receiver that we turned into a quarterback. And, you know, here I am. It's like February signing day, and I get a call from Clemson to go back, you know, at 26 years old to be the tight ends coach. And, you know, from that point forward, you've been very fortunate to just continue to in the right direction. I do think that there's been a few things in my life that changed my approach in coaching. Number one, I got fired after the 2010 season and I probably needed it. Right. I think that uh, it was a blessing. You know, I probably wasn't, you know, needed to be humbled, needed to recenter some things, young, kind of a bull in the China shop a little bit, you know, consumed with the wrong parts of the job and really just trying to outsmart everybody and outwork everybody, you know, instead of connecting with people using the platform, um, knowing that, the, you know, that's the most important part. Um, so that was beneficial for me. And certainly getting hooked up with Nick Saban that next year changed my whole scope of uh, and perspective on college football. And then the next event in my life that I think really shifted my uh, approach was when my dad was diagnosed with ALS in 2013, right? So mm. now all of a sudden, you know, here's my dad who's my hero. He's the healthiest guy I know, right? He's at 100 miles an hour in great shape, we we quickly find out that he's getting ready to go through down a very difficult path and is eventually going to pass away. So, you know, 2013 was one of the hardest years of my life, coming to grips with the, that. Uh, and I think just observing him through that four-year kind of tough path in life really just, you know, made me see the big picture better you know, just keeping people at the core of what we do, right? Real, realizing life is temporary, uh, you know, that we have uh, an opportunity with this incredible platform that we have here to affect. I mean, a coach in today's dynamic uh, has a chance to touch hundreds of people every year. Mm. You know, each year there's hundreds of people that you're in a leadership position. So, Big picture, I think the game changed a little bit. And, you know, here we are, right? I mean, so we're all a product of the experiences that we had and the, the coaches that we've learned from. You know, I mean, heck, everything I know I stole from somebody else. You mm -hmm. know, so um, – but I do think that, you know, I, I couldn't be more blessed. You know, not only the head coaches, each head coach, but more importantly, each assistant coach and support staff member – throughout that entire career. And, you know, I meet people all the time that, that I'm trying to learn from, you know, uh, whether it's Steve Spurrier or Billy Donovan or Jeremy Foley or, um, heck, I mean, Danny Warfall. I mean, I've met some phenomenal people uh, just this year. And I think one of the things that's important is you continue to try to improve and learn. And when you're at a new place, it's critical that you listen to the people that have been around here and understand the place that you're currently working at. So um, it's, it's a journey, man. And um, 
we're, we're right in the middle of that thing and having a, having a, having a blast doing it. Hmm. And you talked about all the people that you learned from, even not just people that are, that are above you, people that, that work under you. Um, obviously, you've assembled a very large staff at Florida, and a lot of people, are, you know, they don't understand the titles, what do all these people do. Um, how has having this really big staff already proven beneficial to you in the, the operation that you're trying to build? Well, our staff here is about 15% bigger than the previous staff. Uh, so, you know, I think a lot has been made of, of, of that. You know, I think that that's a little bit overrated in my opinion. I think it's more about job description, workflow, system-oriented, well-defined roles, empowering people to take ownership in their job, and being, you know, the right combination of creativity uh, and efficiency. You know, I mean, I think you want to be, you got to be willing to take some chances and think outside the box, but you got to be system oriented and be really efficient in what you do. So, you know, I think the big thing is you get these people working at a really high level and it's not just about quantity, but it's about quality, right? So uh, that's the thing I would say that, you know, I think a little bit of that gets, you know, everybody's looking for something to write about. You know, <laughs> they, they take something that you say and, you know, make it into a story. But reality is, uh, you know, we're about 15% bigger. Uh, but, you know, I think we're going to work hard to do things a certain way here. We want to operate with great integrity uh, and character. We're going to treat people the right way. We're going to do things with class. Uh, we're going to try to represent the University of Florida the right way. Uh, but our job is to connect with people and produce results, right? I mean, so, you know, I think that's where we started, uh, building trust, building communication, getting our systems up and running in all the different areas, you know, evaluation, recruitment, teaching, you know, the performance and development areas, and then ultimately life after football making an impact, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that fall under this umbrella. Um, we're fortunate that the administration here bought into our vision, right, of what we wanted to build here, create here. Um, and they gave us the resources. I mean, we've put together an all-star team, um, some of the absolute best in the entire country at what they do. We also have, uh, we've got a good mix of veteran savvy you know, experience, but we also have some young, bright kind of outside of the box thinkers that are up and comers. I think it's always important that you're looking to have the right combination, uh, different generations represented to some degree. Um, and I think we've done that. So, you know, I mean, um, it, this is, you know, college football, it takes hundreds of people uh, really trying to embrace their role uh, they all have aspirations to improve and advance, but being able to put your ego aside and work together, really objective approach in everything that we do, analytical approach in everything that we do, put our heads together, come up with the best plan and try to position the team for success and do that uh, with a big picture perspective where we're trying to make an impact on young people. And, you know, young people can mean the player's, on your team, but also the young people within your organization, right? That, you know, I think 
we have a huge influence in their direction in terms of how we operate. So it's, it's an awesome profession. And I think the most gratification in this profession comes from seeing people um, that you've helped them write their story. You've helped them advance and improve and you've seen the growth, you know, and, and that's the fun. That's the best part of the profession, you know? So I'm hopeful that we can get settled in here and, and write a lot of great stories. Couple final things for you. You talked about building a program and the fundamentals of that, which I know you've established at Louisiana. You know what you want to do and you've known for a long time. Then you've got this NIL thing that comes into play. You've got the transfer portal. So on one hand, you know, everything is the same, but on the other, there's all of this change that no one really knows how it's going to affect things long term. How how are you adjusting to that? How are you handling kind of the you know this this atmosphere we're in, where the perception is that players are going to go to whoever has the most money for them? I mean, this this is like right. fundamentally different stuff. How have you adjusted to that within the construct of your plan? Yeah, I mean, I I think you're spot on. I mean, I, I do think our plan is we've ironed out the wrinkles of how we operate. Um, over the last four years, you know, we really built Louisiana with the intentions of one day, hopefully we would have an opportunity to pick that operation up and move it to this level. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it's not the transfer portal alone. It's not name, image, and likeness alone. It's the combination of both that I think creates challenging dynamic, right? Because you think about the game of football, you think about the lessons that we learned growing up in the game, playing the game, coaching the game, you know, how it has changed so many lives, right? How it is uh, the life lessons along the way. And now this, this has presented some dynamics that, that are, could potentially cause some problems. You know, how do you create the team dynamic? How do you create kind of that you got to earn it uh, mentality, right? The, uh, I think that in today's world, everybody's quick to panic and pull the fire alarm and run out of the building. You know, right. they're quick to pull the parachute, you know, and everybody's kind of looking for that quick fix and that. But I think the game of football is not that type of game. It's a developmental game, you know. Um, and I think that the right combination of team, right, evaluation, recruitment, uh, culture, uh, you know, I think that teaching, development, making an impact on who they are as people, positioning them for success after football, right, playing the long game. You throw these things into the equation, um, that's a dynamic that I think a lot of people are struggling with. You know, really for me, uh, NIL is, it's a reality, right? I mean, we're living in a world where if you go back to like 1990, the SEC gave each institution about a million dollars a year for the TV contract, right? Yeah. The media rights, each institution. And now we're getting ready, 2024, they're getting 68 million a year, right? Mm. Wow. So, you know, so, I mean, we talk, we're talking about, 34, 30 years, you know, we're dealing with entertainment. This is a business. This is a, 
this is a cash cow. I mean, let's call it like it is. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people that are benefiting from a, the passion of college football, right? And I think for me, all I want to do is be competitive, man. I want, I want to win. I want to, and I want to do that with some integrity and and be able to turn around and look back and say, you know what, uh, we won at the University of Florida, but we did it a certain way, you know. And mm-hmm. I think uh, we're trying to construct our NIL uh, to where it is creating experience and equipping our players with tools uh, for you know, have being a productive citizen when the game is over, right? So, you know, we're trying to connect it to nonprofit, right? You know, serving other people, impacting, uh, you know, situations where maybe there's um, an opportunity to serve a person, a community. Uh, we're trying to create real world experience for the player, you know? Hey, you want to be an architect? Okay, hey, let's take advantage of this 415,000 uh, living alumni network that we have at the University of Florida. Let's get connected. Let's create experiences for the scholar athlete. Um, let's get involved with non, you know, nonprofit. Sure, you're going to get paid, right? I mean, that's reality. When when the institution gets 68 million a year, in my opinion, the players deserve a piece of the pie. You know, mm-hmm. now there's a lot of people that cringe when I say that, but. It, that's reality right now, you know, and I think that I want to construct NIL in a way where the player benefits. He's getting compensated fairly, uh, but he's also doing work and having experience that's going to change him for the better, right? So mm-hmm. I think we can do this, and I think there's an avenue out there. I also think that, you know, we're going to try to construct ours with some long-term financial planning, you know, I think that I'm not a huge advocate for just handing out cash to eight, 17 to 22 <laughs> year olds. Right. Um, I think you got to give them guidance. You got to educate them. You got to equip them. Okay. Hey, much like you would want for your son or daughter, if they ran into money, Hey, here's a little lesson on long-term planning, postgraduate savings, taxes, you know, nonprofit, tithing, whatever you want to call it. I think there's some there's some life lessons here because, you know, there's so many of our young people, they get, the, I mean, this NFL statistic where it's like 80-something percent three years after they're done, they're, they're bankrupt. You right. know, we got we to gotta intervene here and uh, make sure. We got an unbelievable opportunity is what I would say, right? So – and that's what we want to try to do at the University of Florida is it, it's what the game is about, right? I mean, these kids are having an opportunity to go uh, to the top five public university. Uh, they get to connect uh, the dots with this alumni network. They get to compete in the SEC. They get to play in the swamp. We, we have – the ambition here to create an organization where there's life-changing impact, right? And that is person first, the student component in terms of the education. And then obviously we're going to teach and develop football players. But uh, 
you know, we want to use the game of football. We don't want the game of football using our young men. And I think that uh, I think people can get behind that, you know, and I think that um, we can bury our head in the sand, you know, or we could say, hey, let's compete and let's do this with tremendous uh, strategic planning with with really good thought and intention behind it. I mean, that's what going to college is about. That's what being a scholar athlete is about. It's about maximizing this, you know, window of time to make the most improvement and to create the most experience in education uh, as possible, right? So, you know, that's the way I want to do it. And, um, you know, I want to look back and say that, you know, we won here and we did it a certain way and we impacted people. You know, we, at the top of kind of our pyramid, we talk about making an impact, right? We talk about being the difference. And that's twofold, you know, to me, you know, everybody within the organization relative to our our team competing, their role, no matter how big or small, they can make an impact and they may very well be the difference, right? Um, I also think that as an organization, big picture, who, who we want them to be as people and the students, we can make an impact. And a lot, for a lot of our young men, the game of football and our experience here, what we're trying to create here, may very well be the difference uh, in their lives. So that's uh, – I kind of got on my soapbox a little <laughs> bit there. but No, it's okay. You know, I, I just – you know, that's, that's what I believe in. That's yeah. the approach we're going to take here. Final question for you. You've become very famous on social media for a very short clip where you smile and you say, scared money don't make money. Um, <laughs> can you tell us the origin of scared money don't make money? Because a lot of people now know you for that. Where did that come from? So we're big into analytics, right? So, mm. you know, we work hard the entire year. I mean, we, we spend an entire year getting ready for the games in the fall. Um and, you know, occasionally we're going to go for it on fourth down when the when the numbers, the field zone, the D&D, the score, the clock, all these things contribute to those decisions. And there's a little bit of that gut feeling to the momentum part, but very numbers driven, right? Much like a financial planner, um, you know, is, you know, you pay your financial planner with, to invest your money a certain way. We believe in analytics and, and following the numbers. So, we went for it on the last play of the half, uh, fourth and one, and we were fortunate that we made it. And I said on the headset before we called the play and made the decision, hey, scared money don't make money, right? So, <laughs> um, you know, when I was growing up, you know, heck, I was around – I mean, we played a ton of cards, right? Played all types of card games. Played a lot of poker, diff, you know, five-card draw, Texas Hold'em, mm-hmm. uh, other games, Canasta – I mean, a lot of card games, you know, my, my grandparents on both sides, my mom and dad, I mean, our family. And oftentimes, you know, when you up that wager, you're, you're betting on the hand you got. Right. So I've just heard that saying like my whole life. Right. And it just came out of my mouth there. So, yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's where it comes from. So, and, you know, Hopefully we continue to have some success on fourth down in the future here with the Gators. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, coach, listen, we really appreciate your time. I know Gator Nation is very happy to have you and uh, wish you a lot of luck as you continue building toward the fall. 
All right, Adam. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I'll see you around. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Gator Tales wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review to help us continue to grow. If you want more great content over the summer, we recommend listening to our recent chats with Todd Golden, Scott Strickland, and Mick Hubert. Or if you want to dive further into the storied history of the program, scroll back in your feed to check out our Gator Great series on the 06-08 football national title teams and the 06-07 back-to-back basketball squads. We'll return with new episodes this fall. So until then, I'm Adam Schick. Please stay safe and go Gators.